Hey everybody, welcome back to Picklosophy, um, a philosophy podcast where we discuss some works and how we can apply them to our daily lives. Um, today we're going to be going over some more chapters from the Enchiridion, also known as the Handbook. Uh, it was compiled by a man named Arian, who was a student of the philosopher Epictetus. Uh, Epictetus uh, started his life as a slave and eventually gained his freedom. He was also uh, disabled, you know, he couldn't walk. Uh, so, without further ado, I'm going to hop right into the sixth chapter. It says, Don't be prideful with any excellence that is not your own. If a horse should be prideful and say, I'm handsome, it would be supportable. But when you're prideful and say, I have a handsome horse, know that you are proud of what is, in fact, only the good of the horse. What then is your own? Only your reaction to the appearances of things. Thus, when you behave conformably to nature in reaction to how things appear, you'll be proud with reason, for you will take pride in some good of your own. So, um, I think a couple of things you could apply this to are number one, possessions. You have a, a fancy sports car. Um, you do have that car. It's yours. But at the same time, does that say anything to your character? Does that uh, show that you personally have worked hard? It could. Maybe you saved up a lot of money for that car. But, um, you know, what, what good besides that does that give you? Um, I think another thing is... I guess here in the South, uh, child beauty pageants are kind of <laughs> a popular thing. Um, parents will live vicariously through their kids. Uh, is their kid's success in a beauty pageant the parent's success? I don't think so. Um, but it's still... It's, it's interesting. <laughs> uh... Anyways, let's go on to the, the next chapter. Consider when, on a voyage, your ship is anchored. If you go on shore to get water, you may, along the way, amuse yourself with picking up a shellfish or an onion. However, your thoughts and continual attention ought to be bent toward the ship, waiting for the captain to call on board. You must then immediately leave all these things. Otherwise, you'll be thrown into the ship, bound neck and feet like a sheep. So it is with life. If, instead of an onion or a shellfish, you are given a wife or child, that is fine. But if the captain calls, you must run to the ship, leaving them, and regarding none of them. But if you are old, never go far from the ship, lest, when you are called, you should be unable to come in time. Ooh. So, this is pretty deep. This is a metaphor talking about uh, death. The... Our lifetime is represented by this person going to the shore, amusing yourself, picking up a shellfish, perhaps that's a hobby, an onion, a job. Um, you know, we can spend as much time as we like here doing fun things, um, as they said, amusing ourselves, but eventually we will die. We will die. Uh, 
So by keeping this in mind, applying the, the principle of memento mori, remember I must die, we can, we can focus on our goals. Uh, I know this has been described as the single greatest motivator of people knowing that we will die and it's sad, but at the same time, it can motivate us to, to get things done. Um, like a podcast. <laughs> um, anyways, um, let's go into the next chapter. Don't demand that things happen as you wish, but wish that they happen as they do happen, and you will go on well. So, this, for me, I know when I'm driving, there'll be a lot of times when I, I complain in my head, oh, these cars, you know, they, why don't they get out of the way he could get a little bit closer and I could sneak in you know why do they have to have a wreck you know all these things are completely out of my control um, I don't have uh, some some mind powers to control other people I wish I did but it's futile to to become frustrated over this we I guess as the Enquiridion says we we take our, our minds outside of a place that's uh, one with nature um, or out of a place that is in our nature, I, I guess. Um, we perturbate ourselves and we became frustrated and we just were unhappy focusing on, on other people. Maybe you have a coworker who, who um, is always makes a mistake. Um, Maybe the government is bothering you. Maybe you're, there are all these outside forces that you really can't control. So applying the verse, wishing things happen as they do happen, I think that's, it's difficult, but it, it is helpful. Moving on to the next chapter, number nine. Sickness is a hindrance to the body, but not to your ability to choose unless that is your choice. Lameness is a hindrance to the leg, but not to your ability to choose. Say this to yourself with regard to everything that happens. Then you will see such obstacles as hindrance to something else, but not to yourself. Um, so, uh, looking at Epictetus's life, he was a man who... he, he couldn't walk, he was lame. Um, and, but at the same time, he still had the ability to make decisions. He still, maybe he had fewer choices, but he could still choose. He could choose what he eats. He could choose how long he meditates, how long he studies. And I think it's the same for us. Um, not all of us have the same ability to make certain choices. Like, I'm not a millionaire. I can't just decide one morning to go to, um, to go to France for instance, but I still can choose what time I wake up, I can choose what I eat for breakfast, I can choose um, to meditate. Um, all of these are choices I can make, even though I don't have as many choices as another person, I can still choose. So so here, I think, um, you know, no matter whether you're healthy or sick, you can still choose make decisions for yourself so um, 
something I, I don't quite like about some Stoke philosophers is that they recommend, like, I guess they, they, they tell people this to, um, to kind of motivate them, um, saying, you know, you have the choice to, to keep living or to kill yourself. Um, I, I don't quite agree with that, <laughs> but I guess it, it has worked in, in their texts, but I guess here too, like if you're so, um, if you're so sick that you're in so much pain, it's just difficult to live. I guess you do, would have the choice to, to continue on or not. I know that, um, euthanasia is kind of a hot topic and I'm not going to be one to delve into it. But I, I think that is something that is kind of implied here. Anyways, uh, the next one, chapter 10. With every accident, ask yourself what abilities you have for making a proper use of it. If you see an attractive person, you'll find that self-restraint is the ability you have against your desire. If you are in pain, you'll find fortitude. If you hear unpleasant language, you'll find patience. And thus... Habituated, the appearances of things will not hurry you away along with them. I think this verse really gets into uh, taking advantage of times when we make mistakes. For instance, uh, you, you get in a car accident, you're in pain. Um, you could you could take advantage of being in bed. You could you could read some books. You could you could educate yourself, um, much like Epictetus did when after he his leg was uh, hurt. Um, also, uh, looking at this, seeing an attractive person, um, perhaps you're in a monogamous relationship and you you have the ability to uh, perhaps sleep with another person um, uh, besides your partner um, you know exercising restraint is something that's in your control so um, if you hear unpleasant language I know <laughs> working in the service industry I, uh, I Starbucks specifically you know you get a lot of those uh, quote unquote Karens who come in go uh, this is supposed to be iced you know <laughs> um, applying this stoic principle there we have the ability to control our reaction to that they complain as long as they're not throwing something at me or shooting me you know um, those harsh words while annoying and grating at times you know it's something you can't control but you can control how you react you can say okay I'm sorry about that I'll remake that or okay I'm sorry you feel that way um, I hope you have a good day maybe if they're storming out um, it is difficult though you know I'm not saying it's easy um, but that has helped me at times uh, the next chapter never let <laughs> excuse me never say of anything I've lost it but I've returned it is your child dead? It is returned. Is your wife dead? She is returned. Is your estate taken away? Well, and is not that likewise returned? But he who took it away is a bad man. What difference is it to you with the giver of science to take it back? Well, he gives it to you to possess and take care of it. But don't view it as your own, just as travelers view a hotel. Okay, I think I can vibe with this. Um, 
using a cup as an example, you know, um, imagine a beautiful cup that keeps your coffee warm for hours. It works great. It looks beautiful. It fits your hand perfectly. But if that cup breaks, it's gone. You know, you could try to to glue it back together, but it'll just never be the same. So applying this principle to that, you were merely borrowing that cup. You know, that cup wasn't yours. When when that cup broke, it was gone. You could look at this in reference to uh, other property. You could look at like cars. Uh, you could look at like relationships. Um, you know, you're together with someone. It could be a girlfriend. It could be a wife. It could be a boyfriend. Um, an NB friend, I suppose. Um, you know, you're these this person these people aren't yours they don't belong to you but you know while they're with you you know they're with you they're but again they they don't belong to you just like people don't belong to you um <laughs> i think you know it's kind of ironic because you know epictetus was a slave he did belong to someone else but um really um you know, these things, we don't have them forever. So, anyways, uh, going to the next chapter. If you want to improve, reject such reasonings as these. If I neglect my affairs, I'll have no income. If I don't correct my servant, he will be bad. For it is better to die with hunger, exempt from grief and fear, than to live in affluence with perturbation. It's better your servant should be bad than you unhappy. Ooh, interesting. I think, for me, this really applies to um, my passions, my goals, my uh, the things I, I strive towards. Um, I think it's recommending that I guess, would you rather be rich and uh, face all these problems, or would you rather live a modest lifestyle and have peace you know um, y you look at people who who are much wealthier maybe someone who owns a big business um, they also have a lot more problems to deal with so perhaps living a simple lifestyle could be beneficial and I guess that's that's up for you guys to decide which option would you'd rather have um, uh, you know I, I guess I'm just trying to interpret this um, I'd be interested to see in your comments what you guys think about that. Um, the next part of 12 is uh, begin therefore from little things. There's a little oil spilt, a little wine stolen. Say to yourself, this is the price paid for equanimity, for tranquility, and nothing is to be had for nothing. When you call your servant, it is possible that he may not come, or if he does, he may not do what you want. But he is by no means of such importance that it should be in his power to give you any disturbance. So this is a really powerful one. And I think if you take nothing away from this podcast but this, is that when when misfortune comes, it's looking at it as a price to pay for, um, as they put, tranquility is very powerful. You know, has someone cut you off in traffic? Uh, has a misfortune come to you? Has someone stolen from you? If you can imagine it as 
okay, if if this what if this is what it takes to be to be happy and to be at peace, um, I'd pay it, and and I've done that before. Uh, you know, in a long time ago, a few years ago, when I was in Russia, I would, you know, I, I had a really, a really, um, to put this nicely, um, I had a, a roommate who was a little bit difficult to to live with, and I think by by looking at him as a, you know, something outside of me that I couldn't control. And by looking at the things he would do, perhaps maybe he'd steal some of my food. Um, if he, I guess this particular person tried to put pressure on me to, to manipulate me. If I look at that as um, a price for, for tranquility, if I look at that as something I can't control, um, it, it's helpful. And, and it, it helped me get through it because... You know, I would spend a lot of time being frustrated over this other person's actions. And I think just like that, um, you could apply it to other things in life, not necessarily uh, people, but um, things outside of your control and, and misfortunes that come to you can be viewed as uh, a price. So, anyways, moving on to uh, chapter 13. If you want to improve, be content to be thought foolish and stupid with regard to external things. Don't wish to be thought to know anything. And even if you appear to be somebody important to others, distrust yourself. For it is difficult to both keep your faculty of choice in a state comfortable to nature, and at the same time acquire external things. But while you're careful about the one, you must of necessity neglect the other. So, I think this is really applicable to to pride and if someone has perhaps you get a high-ranking position um, perhaps you, you find a lot of success in life um, it can it can be easy to say oh look at how much better I am compared to these other people you know um, I know when when I uh, in, in my business endeavors I started making a good amount of money and for some reason I, I kind of this thought came to me when I was picking up a pizza I, I looked at those workers and I thought wow like I make so much more than them um, I think really applying the stoic pr principle there you know I should I should distrust myself you know at one time I was doing the same work they were you know, I've worked in restaurants. Um, um, it's that's too much pride, you know. And I think getting a big head about it is not helpful, you know. And I prefer to be humble. Uh, like this, this chapter says, I, I like I prefer to be in a state comfortable to nature. Um, you know, and I guess it talks about how it's difficult to be in a state comfortable to nature and at the same time acquire external things. I think going back to the verse about, you know, the guy talking about if you have a horse, you know, if you have a, a horse is anything the horse does that's not yours. Um, I think so too is like um, possessions, you know. You could have a, a badass gaming rig, 
but it um that's not you you know do you want to better do you want to acquire more external things or do you want to better yourself perhaps um so that that's how i interpret this this chapter um all right let's go ahead and do one more let's do 14. if you wish your children and your wife and your friends to live forever you are stupid for you wish to be in control of things which you cannot you wish for things that belong to others to be your own so likewise if you wish your servant to be without fault you are a fool for you wish vice not to be vice but something else but if you wish to have your desires undisappointed this is in your own control exercise therefore what is in your control he is the master of every other person who is able to confer or remove whatever that person wishes either to have or to avoid. Whoever then will be free, let him wish nothing, let him decline nothing, which depends on what others else he must necessarily be a slave. So I think the first part of this is, again, going back to people who want to live forever. It's right now that's that's not possible. Um, we will die. Every Every person will die. And it's. It's tough to grip, to come to terms with these feelings and these thoughts, but um, recognizing them is is the single greatest motivator to bettering yourself. Um, and the same for you know for other people, there are people around you who will pass away, and it's really it's really rough. And but if we if we can, can perhaps if we can strengthen our resolve, we can. We can deal with these things better. Um, and again, it kind of goes back to talking about managing what you want to avoid and what, what you wish, what things you want and things you don't want, perhaps, to, to simplify it. Um, by, by removing that desire for something and that desire to to avoid something perhaps you want uh you want a girlfriend or oh <laughs> there's my phone something uh, let's use this as a learning moment that phone is something i can't control perhaps maybe it is <laughs> um i should have perhaps in the past i could have turned it off now that the ringing happened i can't control the past i can't change that past um interesting <laughs> Um, where was I? Um, so again, I, I think exercising, managing like what you really desire, um, what you expect, what you really want to avoid, uh, toning that down and, and restricting that to only things you can control is, is important if we want to better ourselves and perhaps live a better lifestyle. Um, though I would say one critique of this is it mentions if you're a slave, you know, you can't really do much. And I guess for Epictetus, he didn't really have any other options, but one thing that I would critique is that if we want social change to happen, if we want the world to change, I think it is necessary to some extent to, to have these desires and to have these urges you know, uh, protest, um, speak your mind. Um, though maybe tempering it a little bit with stoicism is managing what you can control. 
you can control perhaps uh, how you vote, public policy. Um, perhaps like I guess for a slave, a person who's who is enslaved, um, rebelling. You know, those are all options you have. Um, so. Anyways, I, I think for that one, that one's a little tough one. Let me know if you guys disagree with me on any of them. Let me know if you have anything to add. Um, for now, I guess you can email me at coreypickles at gmail.com for any uh, uh, comments, questions, concerns. And uh, for that, I think we're going to, to wrap this up for today. And uh, Thank you guys for watching, and uh, I'll catch you in the next one. Thanks.